Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. As many of you know, and you've got an email in your inbox, and a message on the Telegram channel, we will be starting our next Bible study session or journey for the next seven weeks on Thursday, and we're going to go through the book of Colossians. So Dad and I thought it would be a good idea to give uh, just a, a, a sample of sorts, and that's what I'm going to be doing tonight. It's not a Bible study per se. Uh, it's more a Sunday uh, message feel. But it's going to be covering the first 14 verses of the first chapter of Colossians. So this is what we're going to be going to be reading together. Particularly, we'll be reading all those verses, and I will be sharing what how how Paul has been talking to me, particularly personally, and I pray it will be an encouragement to you as well, alongside. So you might as well, in your devices, get ready and have your fingers ready to page digitally or analogly to, to the, the first chapter of Colossians. Now, wherever you are, whether it's morning or evening, I endeavor to, to reveal and unpack what we call unseen footage of the miraculous work of the gospel. What has had in our lives to this point and what continues to have as we walk out this gospel life. Now, why do I say uh, unseen footage? Because we know the effects the gospel has had in our life, but like a seed under the soil, we don't really know what happened in that instant from the time we've heard the gospel. That, that germination remains a mystery to this day. And the seed of the gospel miraculously birthed life out of the dust of our hearts, almost like the creation in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And as I shared today, what I would like to do, and I'm going to help kickstart that imagination, I saw a stat this week that 40-year-olds, only 2% of 40-year-olds are creative and 80 or 90% of 5-year-olds are creative. So we're all aging. So maybe some of us need um, some acceleration on what creativity looks like. So I'm going to be showing you a video, a time-lapse video of seed germination. And what this is to do is to kickstart your imagination and to see this as a metaphor as Paul goes on to use it as a metaphor in the first chapter of Colossians, of that regenesis that you had when you first heard and received the gospel message of Christ in your heart. As you remember those words, the moment that your life was never the same again and that moment where it was changed, I want you to see it as a seed, the gospel seed bursting into life as you think back to those moments when you first received the gospel and felt its miraculous creation power growing from within you. So I'm going to start there. I'm going to share my screen now, and I'm going to show you a minute, just over a minute, time-lapse video of what seed germination looks like, just for some of us that need that uh, imagination aid, let's call it. There you go. That's just, just a little bit of some, maybe your biology lesson in early primary school to remind you of what seed germination looks like. My daughter recently in the last few months from Sunday school, they got some butter beans and lentils. 
and they were encouraged to put it in some cotton wool as we've all done before and put some water and i was amazed day by day the rate at which the germination process took place and the and how quickly and miraculously this butter bean grew without anything other than water and sunlight that the seed contained all it needed to do what it needed to do as long as it receives a little bit of water and a little bit of sunlight it would grow and continue and that probably what started this this imagery which paul hops onto and we're going to get to it now and i want you to as we read not the first five verses which you're going to read now but thereafter i want you to imagine paul as david attenborough if you will if you watch any documentaries or national geographic type of documentaries you're very familiar with the bbc narrator of david attenborough and i want you to see paul narrating not only the Colossian gospel germination, but I want him to also see his words narrating your own personal journey. Because he, Paul, in the latter verses of the first chapter, he's going to illustrate and narrate a garden growth metaphor of how the gospel seed has germinated and it's growing and even bearing fruit in Colossae. And he says it's evident. And it's so evident, in fact, that Paul in prison in Ephesus, which is modern day Turkey, he's received reports of never meeting, he's never met them himself, but he's received reports in prison from Epaphras, the delivery man of the very gospel to Colossae, and now he's talking about those reports that he's receiving. So, this is the point where we're going to dive into Colossians. We're going to start by reading the first five verses. I am reading from the Amplified Version, and the only reason for that is it really amplifies some of these words it just expounds in brackets what paul is saying it takes the greek language and it gives you some synonyms and it just unpacks it a bit better so colossians chapter one we're going to read the first five verses to start and we're going to dive in this is paul talking and this is what he says paul an apostle a special messenger personally chosen representative of christ jesus the messiah the anointed by the will of god and timothy our brother to the saints and faithful believers in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from our God, the, our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we pray always for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, how you lean on him with absolute confidence in his power, wisdom and goodness, and the unselfish love which you have all for, for all the saints, God's people, because of the confident hope of experiencing that which is reserved and waiting for you in heaven. So as we can see, particularly from verse 3, Paul is eager to voice his delight on hearing the, the news that the gospel seed has found its way to Colossae and indeed has germinated and is birthing into life. Just like the footage I showed you of the germinating seed, I want you to, when we saw the seed open, there were three core characteristics, three marks of life that came out of the seed. The first one was the root or the taproot system, which if you amazingly know, the seed will always know which way is, is down towards gravity, will go down towards the soil. That's the first sign. The other sign is the stem or the, or the, the shoot going up out of the ground and then forming into branches little sapling branches and leaves. Paul identifies these three things, if you will. He identifies the root, 
the sprouting stem and branches and the leaves. And what these are is as follows. Faith. He says, faith in Jesus, how you lean on him with absolute confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. I've called that our root. Our root that reaches down into Jesus. That is faith. The next thing, which is our branches reaching out to those around us and up out of the ground so it may be seen, is unselfish love, Paul calls it. He calls it unselfish love, which you have for all the saints and for God's people. And the next one, which we all read and we are encouraged, is the confident hope, Paul says, of experiencing that which is reserved and waiting for you. This is our growing leaves, which are reaching up, as you saw in that footage, leaves that are angled towards the sun. You see what the leaves do is they reach up and out and they bring us into a future resurrection reality in Jesus now. We know the importance of leaves. I'm not going to go into the whole biology of photosynthesis, but with light, the leaves reach out and up into the future resurrection reality that Jesus has brought us into in this stage of our lives. We are not yet in our resurrected body, but he has definitely made that power of resurrection available to us in him. So these are the three core signs of life I, that Paul has outlined and I've given you an image. The root of faith, the stem and branches of unselfish love, and the leaves that are reaching out into, the, into hope in that resurrection in heaven. We'll come back to those three core signs much later, but I want us to keep reading with Paul. And I want to allow Paul to lead us uh, into as we keep reading chapter one, because now this is where the David Attenborough kicks in the voice over the narration, where he now narrates how the gospel seed has found its way to Colossae and what is happening. And this is what he says in the next two verses, Colossians one, we're going to read 68 from the Amplified. So please follow with me if you have it open in front of you. Colossians 1, and we're going to read the next two verses, 68. He said, you previously heard of this hope in the message of truth, the gospel regarding salvation, which has come to you. Indeed, just as in the whole world, the gospel is constantly bearing fruit and spreading by God's power, just as it has been doing among you ever since the day you first heard it and understood the grace of God in truth becoming thoroughly and deeply acquainted with it. You see, you, you've, you've learned it from our representative Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. And he has, and also has told us of your love, well grounded and nurtured in the Holy Spirit. See, in these verses, Paul recounts the delivery and the reception of the gospel seed in Colossi soil. Epaphras is the delivery man, but the seed has fallen on good soil in the Colossians' hearts and is now germinating and growing. He then exclaims that the salvation germination is happening not just in Colossi, but everywhere, in everything, all at once. This new Eden, if you will, is exploding, fruitfully multiplying, as it has been described in the book of Genesis. It is definitely being fruitful and multiplying. It is flourishing and growing and it is spreading to the ends of the earth. Paul specifically says this phrase, and this is a phrase that I'm going to anchor my discussion 
and how I have anchored my discussion. He says, the gospel is constantly bearing fruit and spreading by God's power. The gospel, the evangelion, the good news is constantly bearing fruit and spreading by God's power since you first received it. We're going to pause and focus on this phrase because for me, I was encouraged and I pray you are too, that we need to be reminded of the dynamic, the Vietnamese power of the gospel continually working in us and through us to bear and spread Jesus fruit. That's what it's for. Let me unpack this phrase that we just focused on. The phrase that says the gospel is continually bearing fruit and spreading by God's power. Let me unpack it in the original Greek. In the original Greek, the phrase bearing fruit is kapoforeo. I hope I said that right, Dad. Kapoforeo, which is a, a combination of the word fruit, which I'm from karpos, and produce, or to bear is fero. So the word kapoforeo means bearing fruit, which literally means to bring forth fruit, to be fertile, and to be productive. But what's interesting in this word and what the seed exemplifies so well, if you take a seed, when you look at that seed, you know the seed inside contains an innate power, something present from its existence that it will be fruit bearing. A seed shows of the sign and the potential. All it needs to be is be introduced with, like I said, a little bit of water and a little bit of sunlight and it will do the rest. It is essentially a reproductive organism, a plant whose seed is in itself. That's what Lightfoot says. I, I'm just reminded now as I'm talking to you, I believe in the Genesis account, I don't know the exact verse, but it even specifies the creation of fruit bearing trees or trees that will produce seed. It speaks about the power of multiplication in the Lord's creation. But also, I want to draw your attention in the present tense that Paul has underlined that phrase. He says the continuous, the continuous effect of the gospel is to bear fruit. It's not just a past tense when we receive the gospel. It's not just a future tense, but it's a continual now and continuing tense in the Greek. It's from now and continuing to continue to grow, to explode into life to be fruitful, to multiply, to multiply, to grow and expound. You see, from the moment we heard and we received the gospel, like a seed falling into the ground, and this should remind us of Jesus' parable of the sower. Just like that parable, the seed that has fallen on good ground, it has taken root inside of us, it is alive, and it is growing, bearing fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. Folks, you want some good news? The fact that you believe in Jesus and that you are alive to him means that your heart contains good soil. The gospel took root in your heart back then and continues to grow inside of you right now, spreading out of you. You see, so many of us read the parable of the sower, and that includes me, and we read the parable of the sower in the gospels, and our reaction is normally, I wonder which negative environment I, I currently exemplify. Which of the, the ground that didn't really hold true am I? Am I the road? Am I the rocky? Am I the thorny ground? 
which one, which one am I? And we ask that question because we feel so unfruitful. We question the work of the gospel in our hearts and we feel so unfruitful. Why is that? Why do we, why is human nature always identifying us as one of the three negatives instead of the one positive? Do we forget that this parable that Jesus said on the parable of the sower is about the reception of the gospel seed? You see, Paul talks about how the church in Colossae first heard the gospel and it bore fruit and it started growing. It germinated. Folks, the fact that you're here hearing my voice today in this virtual congregation means that the gospel has found good soil in your heart. You heard the word of God, the good news, the evangelion regarding the way of salvation. You received it, you accepted it, and you're continually bearing fruit. The reality is the kingdom is like a luscious Eden that knows nothing but growth and multiplication. All, it, all the Lord does is invites us to participate in this growth movement. Like Adam and Eve in the beginning, he invites them in and he makes them stewards, co-laborers of what the Lord has already created and, he continue, and his creation continues to multiply. He involves us and he makes us stewards and co-laborers as part of the process. You see, the Greek word karpoforeo is used in a natural sense and here it is used in a figurative sense. So in, in the parable of the sower, it would be used in the natural biology sense. But here Paul is using it figuratively. He's using it as a metaphor to describe the conduct that results from the implantation and the germination of the seed of the gospel. Let me state it another way from Precept Austin. He says, fruit bearing is the outward expression of the power of the gospel and the spirit working inwardly. Just like a seed where we look at it like children and marvel, wow, it's a miracle how this life just comes out of this hard, obscure, small object that life just starts bursting forth. So exactly is the same for the gospel, that it's the inner working through the spirit, this miraculous, mysterious power that is bursting to life when we hear the gospel and it comes alive to us. I have some more good news. For me, this is the best news ever. The growth is not up to you and me. We are not in control of this dynamic, mysterious growth of this germination of the seed. It's almost as if we are swept up in the power of the spirit and are complicit in its working through us. For sure, we are conduits that this life force of Christ flows through. We have to receive it and accept it, but we know that life that bursts forth from that fruit is not from us as the source. No, far rather that source is Jesus. Thank goodness that we are not the source of this miraculous life. You see later in, the, in this chapter and indeed the book of Colossians, which we won't cover today, Paul focuses on the majesty of Jesus. He focuses on Jesus being the all-supplying supreme life source and force of everything. He just asks we stay focused on him, stay connected to him, abide in him, and he will work out his dynamic, miraculous power through us, contagiously touching others as we fall deeper in love with him. 
we will get to read Paul's words as he implores the Colossians and us today to keep our gaze firmly fixed on the majesty of Jesus. Why is that? Why is Paul so focused on getting the Colossians and us today to focus on Jesus? Because he knows, just like the plants need the sun, he knows if we focus on Jesus, this is where gospel life will begin. In realizing and worshiping Jesus as the source of all, he is the way, he is the truth, and the life. I'm going to take a little bit of a tangent out of Colossians briefly to read Psalm 1 verse 3. And I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to position ourselves in it a bit differently than we've read David's words before. Just allowing the liberty. This is what Psalm 1 verse 3 says. He is a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now, I know you're familiar with this verse, but I want you to ask yourself a different question uh, today. In our New Testament reality, where Jesus is, is on the scene, where is Jesus in this scene in Psalm 1 verse 3? This is the question I asked myself this week. In Psalm 1 verse 3, which says, He is a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Where is Jesus in this scene? In everything Jesus is and all that he has done for us, what best exemplifies Jesus in the Psalm 1 Eden illustration? Because this is an illustration of Eden. Let me ask you some, maybe some rhetorical questions. Is Jesus not the streams of water through the Holy Spirit? Is he not the sun giving light and life to creation? Is Jesus not the tree whom we are grafted into? Is he not the sap? or the life force of the tree causing life to the leaves and the fruit. Is not everything Jesus does prosper? You see, I began to see Psalm 1 as an extension of the abiding vine illustration Jesus himself gave us in the Gospel of John. Let me read just three verses from John 15, verse 5 to 8 from the message. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you are joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Folks, the reality is we do not cause the growth of the gospel within us. Jesus does. We just need to remain intimately connected to and in him. Again, don't get me wrong, we are co-laborers and stewards like Adam and Eve before us for a reason. We don't grow the fruit, but we sure are to show the fruit. How are others going to taste and see that the Lord is good if we don't share the fruit that he is already growing in us? Fruit is always meant to be given and shared with others outside of ourselves. This is where Paul reminds the Colossians, and we turn back to Colossians now giving them instruction on how to continually and increasingly yield to its ever-growing gospel inside of them. You see, Paul is praying for them. He's recognizing the life that has burst out and burst forth in Colossians and in Colossae, and he's encouraging them. And in his encouragement, he says that he continues to pray. Now let's read from verse 9, Colossians 1, from the Amplified again. He says, 
For this reason, since the day we heard about the good news, about the good news happening in Colossians, in Colossae, he says, we have not stopped praying for you. Why? Because asking specifically that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, with insight into his purpose, and in all understanding of spiritual th things. Again, why? So that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, displaying admirable character, moral courage, and personal integrity. To fully please him in all things. And here's the cup of Foreo again. Bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing in the knowledge of God with deeper faith, clearer insight, and fervent love for his precepts. We pray that you may be strengthened and invigorated with all power according to his glorious might to attain every kind of endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints, God's people, in the light. Those verses that we just read, I want you to picture Paul laying hands prophetically on future fruit that will come out of the Colossae church. He lays hands on this future fruit that the gospel will bear in the lives of the in the lives of the Colossians. In addition to the three core signs of life of faith, hope and love, he points to this future fruit. He he labels it very clearly for us there. He plucks it off the tree and he takes a big bite of its goodness. Then with his mouth still full, he's chewing and slurping on its good on his juiciness. He joyously tells of the excitement his taste buds will experience. When that fruit comes forth this fruit that he listed for us let me reiterate it for you he describes this fruit as and listen to the present continual tense now and continually he says continually walking in a manner worthy of the lord which means displaying admirable character moral courage and personal integrity the next fruit continually participating as co-laborers in the good works the lord has for us the next fruit, growing in deeper faith, those roots go deep, having clearer insight and fervent love, those branches and stems go further out of who Jesus is. And all of us know, going through difficult times, the last fruit that we need to endure when the drought comes, that we endure difficulties patiently with joy. That's a hard one, isn't it? When the rain stops, when we get no nourishment, that Paul says that the most important fruit that will see you through the dry seasons is that you endure difficulty patiently with joy. And how do we do that? By always giving thanks to the Father. We know Paul is a man who's had plenty, and we know Paul's a man who's had little. And he tells us to be content in any season. And this is the fruit that will hold us through, to endure difficulty patiently with joy. For this fruit that Paul talks about to be evident in the Colossians' lives and ours, we need to ensure that our lives are resting and connected to Jesus. He will definitely do the rest. He will grow the fruit. We just need to be connected to him. And when that fruit has grown and is ripe and it's ready, we need to show that fruit and share that fruit with those that is brought around us. But you can see Paul's heart for this church and all these churches. He demonstrates such a Jesus heart posture that we also should embrace. As we yield to the gospel growing in us, Paul says he has not stopped praying for them. 
even when they are doing well, even when life is bursting out and there's such promise and excitement and fruit coming out of there, he continues to pray for them and he continues to ask for more of Jesus. He knows if they just receive more of Jesus, they will grow from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Then only with more of Jesus will they and us too be strengthened and invigorated with all power according to his glorious might to show gospel fruit. Folks, why am I harping on and on about Jesus as the source of life? Something you know very well. Why am I harping on about Jesus being the source of life, growth, and fruit? What I've learned is that if we don't, and I'm going to use this word, immerse in him, if we don't see him as that source that we, you see, engrafted and immersing speaks about putting ourselves in Christ as Christ has put himself in us. If we don't do that, that is where life will cease. Like a vine branch broken off from the vine, we won't, we won't be able to allow his life to flow in us and through us. You see, Jesus is that source. And if we try to do things ourselves, if we try to manufacture things without him, all we're going to end up is either when we're talking to people about him, we're going to just be simply conveying information like one computer talks to another. No, no organic, no romantic, no mysterious love that is to be communicated. And also, it will only produce new religious experiences. There are plenty of those today. It will produce, if there's no life with, connected to Jesus, it will just merely produce a stagnant system of ethics. This is how N.T. Wright and Pre Precept Austin put it. He says, the gospel is not merely a stagnant system of ethics. It is a living, moving, and growing reality which bears fruit and spreads. I think we need reminding of how miraculous the gospel is. Not only with Jesus personified, but with us receiving that Jesus in our hearts and how it bursts into life. With Jesus as the source, the gospel is and does so much more. This is how N.T. Wright puts it in his book, Paul for Everyone, The Prison Letters, and he talks about the section in Colossians. Let me read it for you as we round out. He says, the gospel brings about something much greater, nothing less than new creation. If the key telltale sign of the new creation is the love that marks out the Christian community. Paul can also speak of the three main features of Christian living, faith, hope, and love. And we, this is where we're going to end off on these three core signs of life. This is what N.T. says. Faith, hope, and love are there in the individual Christian and in the community from the beginning to the end. The faith which reaches out to grasp what God offers in King Jesus the love which binds the community together and the hope that looks eagerly forward to the time when God completes what he began in Christ. I love the way he puts that. I'm going to close with the last two verses for today. Colossians 1, 13 to 14 from the Amplified as we round out our time this, this evening or morning in Colossians 1. It's just the start, folks. There's so much more. This is what Paul says in the 13 and 14 of Colossians from the Amplified. For he has rescued us and has drawn us to himself from the dominion of darkness 
and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption because of his sacrifice resulting in the forgiveness of our sins and the cancellation of sin's penalty. Paul summarizes in these two verses that Jesus is our rescuer. He, he has drawn us out of darkness and he has brought us back to himself, the light and the source of all life. In Jesus, in where and in whom we have redemption, our exodus story, our journey from slavery to freedom, from sin and death to now life in his care is, is ensured by Jesus himself. Folks, that is what I wanted to share with you today as I am truly being challenged, and but I am falling deeper in love with the portrait of Jesus that Paul paints throughout the whole of Colossians, but particularly in the first chapter and beyond. And I just hope I could share a little bit with you uh, today and just show you the beauty of Jesus that Paul paints for us and how he shows that this gospel germination process is alive and well and that the kingdom is growing in all of our hearts and continues to do so if we just be grafted and immersed into him. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.